Gospel according to Mark, the 16th chapter. When the Sabbath was over, Mary Magdalene and Mary, the mother of James and Salome, brought spices so that they might go and anoint Jesus. And very early on, that first day of the week, when the sun had risen, they went to the tomb. They had been saying to one another, Who will roll the stone for us from the entrance to the tomb? When they looked up, they saw that the stone, which was very large, had already been rolled back. As they entered the tomb, they saw a young man dressed in a white robe sitting on the right side, and they were alarmed. But he said to them, Do not be alarmed. You are looking for Jesus of Nazareth, who was crucified. He has been raised. He is not here. Look, there is the place they laid him. But go, tell his disciples and Peter that he is going ahead of you to Galilee. There you will see him just as he told you. So they went out and fled from the tomb, for terror and amazement had seized them. And they said nothing to anyone, for they were afraid. The Gospel of the Lord. Please be seated. Grace, peace, and mercy to you from God our Father, from our Lord and our Savior Jesus the Christ, and the Holy Spirit who unites us in faith. Amen. This morning, I am inviting you to consider the main reason why we are gathered for Easter in the first place. That is, to celebrate Jesus' resurrection from death to life and to recognize that that very promise is held out for us also. That might sound like a no-brainer to you. Of course, we're gathered on Easter to celebrate Jesus' resurrection and the promise of our own resurrection. But have you really grasped that idea? Do you really believe that? It's not a given, certainly not here at Cross of Grace, it's not an expectation, that one would understand the Bible stories and faith tenets as being literally true. I constantly wrestle with how much of Scripture is literally true and how much is true in a different, less scientific, more metaphorical way, but still true. After all, what we understand as capital T truth, that is, evidence-based facts, that wasn't really a thing. That wasn't a way that people looked at the world until the Age of Enlightenment, which was just a couple hundred years ago. Up to that point, a story that never actually took place in the exact way in which it was described would have been understood as true, so long as that story provided meaning and value. So from the Enlightenment onward, theologians as well as the average person in a pew would have wondered and debated about the events of Jesus' life as told in Scripture, and whether they were really true. Whether they really happened. You know, the virgin birth, Jesus turning water 
to wine, Jesus restoring the sight of the blind man, Jesus being raised from the dead, and so on. And at this point in my life, in my education, I've come to understand that things can be true, even if they didn't happen in a way that could have been documented or recorded. Because meaning can exist beyond literal fact. But today, speaking to you from my heart, today I can do nothing other than proclaim what I believe to be literally true. That Jesus rose from the dead and you will also. That's it. I I don't have any sermon illustrations to share. I don't have any jokes or stories or funny pictures or movie clips or clips from a TV show. I'm not offering a nuanced hot take where I talk about the value of a figurative or metaphorical resurrection from the dead. Though it is certainly true that God can and does create new life out of any metaphorical depths in our lives, be they ego or relationships or hopes or opportunities and so on. And if if literal resurrection from death doesn't quite fit into your faith today, I respect that. I have no desire to change your mind about that. In fact, I am especially grateful for your presence in worship this morning. And hopefully you can still glean some degree of hope and inspiration from my message this morning. But today, on this Easter day, or what in the church we call the resurrection of our Lord Sunday, my call and conviction is to proclaim that Jesus, the human being, the Son of God, was dead, was buried, until he wasn't. Days after Jesus breathed his last breath, His heart started beating. The neurons in his brain started firing. His lungs took their first tentative sip of that rotten tomb air, followed by a huge gasp in and a mighty exhale. As the oxygen rushed through his bloodstream, every nerve in his body started tingling the way that your foot does when you realize it's fallen asleep and you move it for the first time. I believe that all of this actually happened. And that it is the same fate that awaits each and every one of us who have received God's promise of the resurrection of the dead and eternal life in God's kingdom, when it comes here on this earth, this physical earth that God created, God redeems, and God will always love. Now here's the truth, and it's, it's going to make you uncomfortable. I've gotten dinged on this before on Easter days. Don't make people uncomfortable, but here we go. There are people worshiping with us right now who will not be alive by the time we gather for worship on Easter Sunday next year. 
I don't know who. I'm not venturing any guesses or taking any bets. It's just a simple fact that every year we gather to mourn the death of a partner in mission here at Cross of Grace. As your pastor, what can I possibly tell you today? What could I possibly tell you or your loved ones if that person would happen to be you? What could I possibly tell you today other than that you too will be resurrected in the same physical and literal way that Jesus was resurrected. There is nothing for me to tell you other than where, O death, is thy victory? Where, O death, is thy sting? Thanks be to God. He gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. That's why we gather, that's why we worship, that's why we laugh and cry and shout Alleluia. We do all of this because of Jesus, who was literally raised from a literal death. We do all of that for our friends and family whose deaths we have mourned, as well as those whose deaths we will soon experience. And we do all of that because in this world that is so confused and angry and anxious and lost, we believe that God is taking us somewhere good. And we do all of that because God promises to create new life out of all the metaphorical deaths we experience as well as the actual one that awaits us all. And for that we say amen, alleluia, thanks be to God.